The History of College Football is a podcast dedicated to preserving the college football gridiron memories from years gone by. Please feel free to visit our website at historyofcollegefootball.com. Thank you. Welcome to History of College Football. I am Jay Abramson, and I will take you down a gridiron memory lane. The national champions, the teams, the rivalries, the conferences, the Heisman winners, the rankings. Today, and in our next podcast, we will discuss the 20 greatest college football games ever played in the month of November in the history of college football. Today, we count down numbers 20 to 11. Now, November is the heart of the college football season, the time when conferences are won, and lost rivalries are settled that have been waiting a year to occur. It really like college football at its most exciting and most intense. So before we count down the 20 greatest games ever played in the month of November, here are a few games that did not make our list, listed for you in chronological order. November 11th, 1939, Texas Tech zero, Centenary zero. In one of the most bizarre games ever played due to a heavy downpour that absolutely flooded the field, the two teams combined for an NCAA record 77 punts, 67 of them on first down. With pedals that rose above the players' ankles, both coaches appeared to be waiting for the other to make a mistake. Then there was November 16th, 1957. Rice 7, Texas A&M 6. Number 20, Rice entered the game 4-3 and three, and a 7-point underdog to number 1, Texas A&M, who was 8-0, riding an 18-game unbeaten streak, a 14-game winning streak, coached by a legendary coach, Paul Bear Bryant, and was led by the 1957 Heisman Trophy winner, Don David Crow. While playing at home in front of 72,000 fans, the largest crowd ever to see a football game at Rice, in a battle for the Southwest Conference Championship, the Owls jumped out to a 7-0 lead. Then late in the game, Texas A&M was driving, but time expired for the Aggies at Rice's 24-yard line to secure the stunning upset. Then it was November 1st, 1980, another upset. Mississippi State 6, Alabama 3. Mississippi State entered the game 6-2. and two. Number 1, Alabama was 7-0. Moreover, they were riding a 28-game winning streak and were the two-time defending national champions, having won the national championship the previous two years in 78 and 79. Playing at home in Starkville in front of the largest crowd to ever witness a Mississippi sporting event, over 50,000, the Bulldogs took the lead in the fourth quarter at 13 and a half minutes remaining in the game. The Bulldogs stymied the tide the rest of the way for the implausible upset to secure Mississippi State's first win over Alabama in 23 years. Now, how did they do this? How did they pull it off? This is how. They were coached by Emery Ballard, the man who designed the wishbone attack while serving as an assistant coach at Texas, and he knew how to defend it. Alabama, they ran the wishbone. November 18, 2006, number one, Ohio State, number two, Michigan. And the day before the game, iconic Michigan coach Bo Schembechler passed away. Michigan took a 70-0 lead in the first quarter, but Ohio State scored 21 unanswered second-half points to take a 28-14 lead into halftime. In the fourth quarter, Michigan cut the lead to 35-31, but Ohio State went up 42-31, and it's right to play Florida in the BCS championship game. Well, if those games did not make our list, which games did make our list of the top 20 games in the month of November, numbers 20 to 11? Here we go. Number 20, USC 21, UCLA 20, November 18, 1967. OJ's epic run. Number one, UCLA ended the game 7-0-1, and they met number four, USC 8-1. and 
The Bruins struck first with a 12-yard touchdown run by running back Craig Jones that put them up 7-0. Then UCLA Gary Beeman threw an errant pass to his left, and USC linebacker Pat Cashman picked it off and took it to the house for a pick six to tie the game at seven. This was a tightly contested affair all the way through. UCLA led 20-14 to with just over 10 and a half minutes remaining. They had USC pinned at their own 36-yard line. So with 10.38 left in the game, USC faced a third and seven from its own 36-yard line. And this is when O.J. Simpson took the ball for his epic 64-yard run through the defense. Down the left sideline, makes a cut, dashes cross-field for the touchdown to give the Trojans the lead 21-20. to The run was stunning, literally mesmerizing, and USC's victory knocked UCLA out of the number one slot and catapulted USC to number one. Now, there's a footnote here to this game. This was the game where O.J. Simpson met Robert Kardashian, as Kardashian was a water boy at that game. Number 19, Maryland 42, Miami of Florida 40, November 10th, 1984. The greatest comeback in the history of college football. Miami entered the game five and three, and number six, Miami entered the game eight and two, playing at the Orange Bowl, down 31 to nothing at half. Quarterback Frank Wright came off the bench in the third quarter and led the Terrapins to the greatest comeback in the history of college football. Here is what happened. To start the third quarter, coach Bobby Ross needed a catalyst. He inserted quarterback Frank Wright into the game in place of Stan Gelbarg. Wright led the Terrapins to three touchdowns in the third quarter to cut the lead to 34-21, heading into the fourth quarter. Wright then led a touchdown drive early in the fourth quarter, and now the score was 34-28. With five and a half minutes left in the game, Maryland had the ball at their own 32-yard line. Wright's pass ricocheted off Miami's safety, Darrell Fullington's hands, and Turp receiver Greg Hill caught it and scored a 68-yard touchdown. And on the ensuing kickoff, the Hurricanes fumbled, Maryland recovered, and subsequently scored to take a 42-34 lead. Miami scored late, but their two-point conversion was squelched by the Terrapin defense. In all, Wright led the team to six second-half touchdowns as the Terps stunned the Hurricanes for a 42-40 win in what was the greatest comeback in Division I. And it needs to be noted, Frank Reich also led the greatest comeback in the NFL, too. In 1993, as the Bills came back from a 35-3 third-quarter deficit to win. Number 18, Navy 46, Notre Dame 44, three overtimes, the end of the longest winning streak by one team over another. Yes, Navy entered the game 4-4, and and Notre Dame that year was 1-7. But understand, Notre Dame was riding a wave of 43 consecutive wins against Navy, the longest consecutive win streak by one team over another in college football history. Navy had not won since the year Roger Starback had won the Heisman, and that was back in 1963. Remember, this was 2007. Navy trailed 21-7 to at halftime, but rallied back to tie the game at 28. And then here is what happened. With 45 seconds remaining in the game, it appeared that Navy would lose for the 44th straight time, as Notre Dame had a 4th and 8 at the Navy 24. A field goal would have won the game for the Irish. But for some inexplicable reason... Notre Dame coach Charlie Weiss went for it, and Navy sacked the Irish quarterback, and the game went into overtime. The game then went to three overtimes, and in the third overtime, NCAA rules mandated a team must go for two after a touchdown. Well, Navy got the ball first, scored a touchdown, went for two, converted. Notre Dame got the ball, scored a touchdown. Then their conversion attempt failed. A pass interference gave them another shot, this time from the one-yard line. 
the Navy defense held again, and Navy's long-awaited victory over Notre Dame was secured. Number 17, Pittsburgh 32, Georgia Tech 0, November 23rd, 1918. A shutout that defies imagination. John Heisman's Georgia Tech team was 5-0, unscored upon, scoring 85 points per game, and had scored over 100 points three times that season already. To be shut out utterly defies imagination. Pittsburgh had entered the game 2-0, and they were averaging a mere 36 points per game. But they were also unscored upon. Pitt's coach, Pop Warner, reverses and double passes took Georgia Tech off guard. Pitt went on to finish the season 4-1, losing to Cleveland Navy in the final game of the season. Georgia Tech, they won the last game over Auburn, 41 to nothing. Number 16, East Carolina 17, Marshall 14, November 14th, 1970, in memorial. Flying back after the defeat, the plane with 75 people aboard, including 36 members of Marshall's football team, coaches, staff, members from the community and flight crew, crashed as it approached the Tri-State Airport in Huntington, West Virginia. There were no survivors. It was later determined the plane encountered rain and fog, and that combined with instrument failure was the cause of the crash. The community was overwhelmed with grief. Heartbreaking rebuilding then took place of the college football program, and Marshall moved forward. New coach Jake Lengel was hired to resume football at Marshall. Number 15, Georgia 26, Florida 21, November 8, 1980. L76 and the Hail Mary worked. The Bulldogs were trailing 21 to 20, facing third down on their own seven yard line with one minute to play. Quarterback Buck Ballou threw a 93 yard touchdown pass to Lindsey Scott to keep the perfect season alive. Georgia went on to win the national championship. Now, here is exactly what happened. Number two, Georgia entered the game 8 0, faced off against number 20, Florida, 6 1. And on the third play of the game, Herschel Walker raced 72 yards to give the Bulldogs a quick 7 0 lead. At halftime, in a very hard fourth game, Georgia had a lead 14 to 10, but by the end of the third quarter, Georgia appeared to have taken command, leading 20 to 10. But in the fourth quarter, it was fireworks. Florida cut the lead to 20 to 18 on a touchdown and a two-point conversion, and then one field goal later, the Gators now led for the first time in the game 21 to 20. With 63 seconds left in the game, down 21 to 20, pinned at their own seven-yard line, facing a third and 11, Florida fans celebrating in the stands, Georgia fans heading for the exits. Quarterback Buck Ballou calls the L76, which was an 18-yard curl pattern. Ballou hit Lindsey Scott, who then raced 93 yards for the miraculous game-winning touchdown to save the season for the Bulldogs. The Bulldogs would go on to win the national championship, finishing 12-0. 14, LSU 33, Kentucky 30, November 9th, 2002, the Bluegrass Miracle. Number 16, LSU entered the game 7-2. and two. They were the defending SEC champs. Kentucky were heavy underdogs, 6-4. and four. Now playing at Kentucky in front of a filled stadium, LSU watched Kentucky serve up a furious comeback. Kentucky, see, they were down 24-14 in the fourth quarter, but they rallied to take a 30-27 lead by kicking a field goal with 15 seconds remaining. Now, with 11 seconds left on the clock, the Kentucky coach was doused with Gatorade. And here is what happened next. LSU took the kickoff and opted to quickly race out of bounds at its own nine-yard line. They now had to go 91 yards in under 10 seconds. They completed a pass at, to their own 26-yard line, and now there was two seconds remaining. Kentucky fans were poised to tear down the goalpost. Nick Saban, though, calls, dash right, 93 Berlin. 
Tiger quarterback Marcus Randall rears back and throws a Hail Mary. Two Wildcats tip the ball at the LSU 25-yard line, but Devery Henderson catches it with one hand, mind you, at the 15 and runs it in for a 74-yard touchdown, a.k.a. the Bluegrass Miracle. Number 13, Auburn 34, Alabama 28, November 30th, 2013, kick six. In the Iron Bowl with one second left, Adam Griffith's 57-yard field goal attempt was short. Auburn's Chris Davis caught it nine yards deep in the end zone and returned it for a touchdown, forever known as the kick six. But I'm getting ahead of myself. Number one, Alabama. Number one, Alabama enters the bowl, Iron Bowl, undefeated. 11-0, had won two consecutive BCS national championships and won the smack of a mist of a dynasty. They faced number four, Auburn, who entered the Iron Bowl 10-1. The game was dripping with intrigue. With 32 seconds left, Auburn tied the game 28 to 28. They kicked off to the Crimson Tide. Now the Tide drove to the 38-yard line and then time ran out, or did it? Alabama coach Nick Saban challenged, stating the game still had one second remaining. And after a video review, one second indeed was put on the clock. And here we go. Having missed three field goals earlier in the game, coach Saban opted to sit the kicker, Cade Foster, in the fourth quarter and give the freshman redshirt Adam Griffith a try. Well, the Crimson Tide lined up for the potential game-winning 57-yard field goal. The kick was short, and Auburn's Chris Davis, standing back at his far goal line, simply caught the ball just in front of the goalpost. He raced 109 yards up the sidelines, scoring on the last play of the game. I had interviewed Lauren Sizzler as a guest on my podcast. She was the ESPN SEC reporter on the sideline that day, and her rendition of that moment was incredible. Number 12. USC 55, Notre Dame 24, November 30th, 1974. Stunning and still unbelievable to this day. Legendary coaches John McKay and Ara Parsegian faced off in Ara Parsegian's last regular season game. Number six, USC entered the game 8-0-1. They faced number five, Notre Dame, 8-1-1. Notre Dame led 24 to nothing late in the second quarter. This is when Pat Hayden hit Anthony Davis for a touchdown. The same Anthony Davis who torched Notre Dame two years earlier for six touchdowns. And now the lead was cut 24 to seven going into halftime. In the second half, the floodgates opened. The damn gave way. Pick your parable. The second half started with a 102 yard kickoff return by Anthony Davis. And then in 16 minutes, 44 seconds of game time, USC scored 55 points to secure the unbelievable comeback. I'll say that again. In 16 minutes and 44 seconds, USC scored. 55 points to secure the comeback. Extrapolate that out. Well, at that pace, they would have scored 199 points that day. Number 11, Illinois 14, Minnesota 9, November 3rd, 1916. Will somebody tell me how something like this could have happened? The Fighting Illini entered the game 2-0 in a 40, again, 4-0, 40-point underdog to Minnesota, 4-0. Entering the game, Minnesota had won by scores of 41-7, 47-7, 81 to nothing and 67 to nothing and fielded five All-Americans. The Illini's coach, Robert Zupke, had read scouting reports and told his payers the first three gopher plays that would be run. On Minnesota's first possession, the gophers ran three running plays and the Illini held. Now forced to punt on the Illini's first possession, the Illini's first play took the gophers by surprise. They threw on first down and got a first down and this spurned a touchdown drive that gave Illinois a 7 nothing lead. On the ensuing possession, Illini Robert Kraft intercepted a gopher pass 
and returned it to the house, a 55-yard pick six, to give the Illini a stunning 14-0 lead early in the game. And they held on for the 14-0 lead going to halftime. In the second half, Minnesota could only muster a touchdown and a safety as the Illini held on for a stunning 14-9 upset as a 40-point underdog. Legendary coach Walter Camp, who watched the game from the press box, commented, will somebody tell me how something like this could have happened? And the headline the next day in the paper from the Chicago Herald read, hold on tight when you read this. Well, there you have it. The top 20 through 11 games ever played in the month of November. Now, if these games did not make our top 10 list, which games did? Stay tuned. In our next podcast, we count down the top 10 greatest games ever played in the month of November. Thank you for listening to History of College Football. I am Jay Abramson. Join us every Tuesday and Saturday for a new episode.